post-trade deadline edition of In Goal Radio, the podcast, presented by The Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. Looking forward to this one as a couple of pieces moved and a couple of pieces stayed nicely put. Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley, will get into it, plus a feature interview with one of the rising stars in the goaltending world right now on North America, a player that has experienced it all from major junior, Canadian college, the ECHL, the American Hockey League, and for a little taste, the National Hockey League. It's been a meteoric rise for Logan Thompson. If you don't know that name, by the looks of his career path right now, you will very soon. We'll uh, chat with Logan Thompson, who's got one of the cool setups, too, uh, around uh, the American Hockey League. So let's get into, uh, we'll save that in just a little bit. Uh, that's brought to you by Sensorina VR. Uh, looking forward to uh, catching up with the Southpaw in just a little bit. But uh, guys, uh, the trade deadline is in the rear view mirror. Uh, we have uh, one significant trade, Devin Dubnik going to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. David Riddick also moved from the Calgary Flames uh, over to the Toronto Maple Leafs. But that was it on the goaltending front. Uh, Woody, were you surprised that only two pieces moved and players like uh, what Carolina had to offer, Detroit, Buffalo, were not uh, shipped out? Well, I mean, for different reasons, yes and no. I guess not. Jonathan Bernier not moving from Detroit is a little bit surprising just because he's headed towards unrestricted free agency. You could you could argue the same of Linus Almark, who we kind of pushed as probably the best goalie available amongst the list of goalies who were going to be unrestricted free agents this summer. But when you hear the reason he didn't get moved, and that is that Buffalo really wants to try and re-sign him, they worked towards a contract right up until the deadline, decided, hey, we couldn't get it done, but we still want to try. Like that, to me, is a justifiable reason, because frankly... The Sabres with Linus Allmark and without Linus Allmark are like, like he's been the difference. There's a reason they're winning again right now. Part of it is, hey, they're started to finally recover from their COVID um, outbreak, but also Linus Allmark being healthy and playing well is a big part of it. So not surprised there. Uh, Bernier not moving, maybe a little bit surprising. Florida, Chris Dreger, some people have pointed to him. Why are you moving him if you're the Panthers and you have aspirations yourself? Um, the rest kind of, yeah, didn't, didn't really surprise me. I thought Bernier to Colorado instead of Dubnik might've been a fit we would see because familiarity matters. And, and Jonathan has some familiarity with the goalie coach, the system and the staff there. Um, but they went with Dubnik instead and David Riddick to Toronto. Um, is that a surprise? I don't know. Calgary Flames are all of a sudden think they might be in a playoff race and they're going to have to ride Jacob Markstrom right into the ground. But, um, you know, if you're the Leafs, I think David Riddick is a guy that a lot of teams are going to be looking at. Matter of fact, I know a lot of teams are already starting to do diligence on in terms of can he be a bargain signing this summer? And if you're the Leafs and Freddie Anderson appears to be on his way out as an unrestricted free agent, you got Jack Campbell on a bargain contract. You, know, you could be looking at an audition here. Despite the fact he's technically third on the depth chart once Anderson's healthy, you could be looking at an addition here for David Riddick for a contract next year with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's a smart play as well to sort of get to know a potential asset. The only thing I, I was a little puzzled with or concerned with was the third round pick uh, for Riddick and, and how much he's going to play. But that that's on the other side. They, they put him right in and he played he played a couple of games. So they're, they're trying to get some some value out of it and see what they have there and using him to to their advantage in the sense of, uh, of spelling off what what they have. Uh, in their stable right now. Uh, so pause up. We, we also get to see the pad skins and then the pad, uh, the, the skin, like all that. Uh, so that, that's uh, Bobby Hastings and the, the, the crew there with the Toronto Maple Leafs do a great job. Uh, what about Devin Dubnik in Colorado? He, he's not only, in let's, let's just pause. Let me pause yeah. one. Cause I think Riddick actually might be a fit there beyond just a relief valve. When I look at the types of chances that they give up, uh, in terms of, you know, like they're, the, the Leafs are a really good defensive team. Uh, there are a couple of areas where they rank lower in the league in terms of the types of chances they give up. Uh, and those are broken plays and sort of deflections. And when I look at David Riddick's numbers, um, broken plays especially, like that's where he's at, a, he's at another level. Like Big Save Dave is a nickname that actually fits statistically. Really, And when you look at the types of chances, yeah, he's been really good on tough chances, high percentage chances, and um, including a lot of broken plays. And it's a number where they give up a lot, 
They haven't had a lot of success. Their goaltenders haven't been great against them. They're running negative numbers. And he comes in there, and he's really good on those types of chances. So there may be more there in terms of a fit. And depending on the health of the other two guys, and it's a question mark for both of them, I know he comes in as an insurance policy, Darren, but I could, I could, I could see David Riddick being a bigger part of this conversation by the time the playoffs start. If if it ends up being a, a fact where he gets some time and and plays or resigns, then I totally change my tune on that. Absolutely change my tune on that. Uh, what about Devin Dubnik in Colorado? Because now it sounds like he's going to uh, get a lot more uh, reps in the net with Philip Grubauer out because of COVID-19. Well, kind of, in a way, a perfect situation. Not for Philip Grubauer to miss time, but for Philip Grubauer as a guy that has been ridden too hard, frankly, right? There's a reason they went out and got Dubnik and, and, and Johansson before that from Buffalo, you know, a guy who, you know, somebody in Buffalo, a reporter in Buffalo said couldn't stop a puck in practice games or anything, and now he's got a shutout under his belt with the Colorado Avalanche. So clearly, he didn't forget how to play goal. Um, they needed that depth because, because obviously Pavel Francouz, uh, had the, is having the, the hip surgery out for the season. You needed a backup option. Well, now you've sort of got forced rest for Philip Grubauer has to take two weeks off and you don't have to worry about, ah, oh, when should we start him? How do we manage his workload? Like he's got two weeks off right now. And Devin Dubnik is the guy. So you don't have a choice. You're just going to have to sort of adapt. Like it's, it's, you could actually argue, and Dubnik's a guy who did this when he went from Arizona to Minnesota back in 2015, just went in there and ran with it. And so it's a good opportunity. It kind of, in some ways, takes a little bit of stress or pressure off. Like, you don't, oh, I got to play good, or they might not trust me to play good in a couple days from now, or I might get less starts down the stretch. I'm the guy for the next two weeks. Just go out there and play the game. And, you know, in terms of the fit, surprisingly, um, you know, one of the areas that Devin struggled this year is screens and deflections and how he manages those things. Well, guess what? In screens and deflections, the Colorado Avalanche give up the fewest deflection opportunities in the league. And in screens, they give up the third fewest. So again, when you look at the style and system of play and the fit, like Colorado is actually an exceptional defensive team. The only two things they give up a lot of are in, and in for them, a lot is relative. The only two things they're even middle of the pack in terms of scoring chances against breakaways and broken plays. Uh, Devin Dubnik on breakaways is well above expected. You got to love the poke check from Devin yeah. Dubnik. Breakaways, baby. And guess what? The only other number that Devin in a tough season this year is above expected broken plays. So again, like we talk about horses for courses and goalies and styles fitting systems in both Riddick and Dubnik. I'm not saying it's going to happen because there's adjustments and everybody plays them differently, but at least statistically, there's a fit there. And so now you've got Dubnik with two weeks to sort of get his feet under him and get comfortable behind that team. Um, it'll be, I'm interested to see how it goes. It's a great opportunity for him behind a team that you know, looks like an absolute wagon and should have a chance to win a cup. And let's see what the next two weeks bring. It could be a really important two weeks in terms of solidifying that tandem. Grubauer's the guy going in, but man, having a plan B for a team that needed plan C last year uh, and a plan B they build some trust in could be a real positive. In Gold Radio, the podcast presented by The Hockey Shop, source for Sports Surrey, thehockeyshop.com. When you bring up Riddick and Dubnik and those numbers and the fit, uh, tell me how deep teams go in the analytics side of it and trying to match up a goaltender in making a decision on who to acquire and who not to acquire? I would say that um, I I can't honestly answer it because most teams aren't going to tell you, first and foremost, how deeply they go. I do know that some teams do look at it to the level we just talked about and, in fact, much deeper. We did this last year, and we talked about this last year around unrestricted free agency. You can actually plug goalie A into Team X and see what's going to happen. Is how does his success against these types of chances fit the types of chances they give up? And with ClearSight Analytics, you can go into you know 30, over 30 different types of scoring chances and sort of weigh those things. At the end of the day, even within with that much depth and breaking down types of chances, there's still differences, right? There's still differences in the types of two-on-ones, the types of odd man rushes, how they defend them. There's still, there's still uncertainty there. I do know some teams that use this program in that fashion absolutely deep dive into it. I can't say which ones because I'd probably get myself in a lot of trouble. Um, I would expect the Toronto Maple Leafs 
as a team that might not be using this program or this anymore. I'm not sure they're a clear sight client anymore. Frankly, don't know anymore. Um, but given the depth of their analytics department, I would think they weigh things at that type of you know deep dive level for sure before making a move like that. Let's bring in Hutch. Was there a move, whether it's the Riddick, whether it's the Dubnik, or a team that that stands pat like Carolina with uh, with both of its veteran goaltenders? Uh, Florida Panthers decide to uh, keep uh, Chris Dreger, which no brainer to to a lot of people in the uh, in the hockey world, but he's still unrestricted free agent. So, uh, any anything jump out at you on trade deadline? Uh, maybe Carolina jumped out at me because I think they've got three goaltenders they're really confident with right now and uh, would have been a good opportunity to to make a move there. But was there a fit with the market? Was there somebody willing to pay a price that uh, they thought was was relevant at this point? Uh, of course, we'll, we'll never know. But I, I did expect somebody to go there. Florida, I agree with you. Complete no-brainer, Darren. Um, they're in a go-for-it mode right now and you need to have two goaltenders and Dreger are arguably the the best one of the bunch right now so why would you move him even if you are trying to recover some of an asset there and I've been sort of surprised by some of the hype in in the industry of people talking about well they've signed Spencer Knight they've got their backup but wouldn't that just be crazy to take a kid straight out of college and sit him on the bench in the National Hockey League to not play any games we've spoken here many times before about how important it is for a young goaltender to get games and that that development's only going to come along if he's uh, on the ice playing and so I, I would be shocked if he suddenly became their backup uh, next season. But of course, my predictions here are virtually always wrong. So maybe <laughs> you can just put it in the book that uh, Spencer Knight will be the backup in Florida next year. Uh, wrong predictions by David Hutchison on In Goal Radio, the podcast. It sounds like a, a segment uh, like uh, that, w- that we can bring into. Uh, just throw it in at the end or, or maybe give you some, some real uh, cachet right off the top. Well, we could just hook up with one of these online betting companies that seems to sponsor every <laughs> podcast in the book, and then people can just listen to whatever I say, go bet the opposite, and they're almost guaranteed to make some money. What you, you've never been wrong before. No, no, that's why they call me the donator in all my longstanding hockey and football pools. Every every pool needs one of those. Uh, what's uh, what's happening at the hockey shop? Uh, Source or sports story, thehockeyshop.com. Well, not a gear segment this week and not a whole lot. And then just as a quick by way of explanation, um, we up here in BC are running pretty hot on the COVID scale. And we're also running pretty hot on the precaution scale, uh, both uh, not just in terms of the standards set by our government, but at places like the hockey shop where they've got masks for you when you walk in the door. Um, the staff is wearing them to make you comfortable. They've done a really good job of sort of making sure you can pre-book fitting appointments with camp. Make sure that you're safe and comfortable. And so they had a couple of exposures come into the store uh, that they were made aware of, and they had to shut it down, or they chose to shut it down to make sure that um, things were safe before you go back in there. You can still shop online. Uh, They do have a second warehouse where they ship out of. Uh, Not all items are available out of there. Um, So you can still call Cam uh, and, and talk to him and get a feel for, you know, what he can help you with right now. They do expect to be open in a matter of days. So for some of you, by the time you listen to this podcast, they'll be back open. Um, but as we would expect from a shop, like, like the hockey shop source for sports, uh, they are not going to do anything that puts anybody at risk safety first. So if you've got questions, if you want to check them online out online, it's obviously thehockeyshop.com. email is sales at thehockeyshop.com, Or if you want to give them a call, 604-589-8299 is a local number and the 1-800 internationally yes cam i can remember this i don't need a cue card it is 1-800-567-7790 as i said things are a little slow right there right now if you've got a need right now desperation uh hit them up see if it's something they have access to in the warehouse or something you'll have to wait for the store to actually open on uh, they're not going to do anything that puts anyone at risk both themselves or um, their their staff or or you as a customer. And so that means we're on hold right now. Uh, we'll hopefully be back with a gear segment in the coming weeks and hopefully they'll be open in the coming days. But for now, um, reach out to them if you've got a question and they'll take care of you as they always do at the Hockey Shop Source for Sports. Hockeyshop.com is where I go. Uh, sales at thehockeyshop.com if you want to email them. And uh, the numbers uh, we've given you uh, numerous times, uh, those numbers also available on the website at the Hockey Shop. Dot com. Uh, check them out. Uh, you can still uh, be perusing, shopping, and if you have any questions, uh, send them a note 
and they they will get back to you. But uh, yeah, just uh, safety first and foremost. And I, like Woody said, by the time some of you listen to this, uh, they will be up and running. Wish everybody uh, safety and uh, and healthiness uh, with the hockey shop and the hockey Uh The feature interview this week, uh, brought to you by Sense Arena VR, is Logan Thompson, who is a second year pro who's already had a couple of minutes in the National Hockey League. And a couple of minutes uh, means a couple of minutes, but he's just burst onto the scene in the American Hockey League, uh, playing with the Henderson Silver Knights, the affiliate of the the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's uh, just a, an incredible story, uh, a rare story coming from Canadian college. Uh, we'll get into Logan in just a little bit as we caught up with him uh, from Henderson, Nevada, uh, earlier this week. Uh, but uh, Sensorina VR continues to uh, present our feature interviews, Hutch. Sure do, and uh, we're really thankful for Sense Arena, both for their uh, sponsorship of the podcast and for the fantastic product that they've created for all goaltenders. And, you know, this time of year is uh, is a great time to get involved with Sense Arena because so many of us are stepping, you know, those who were lucky enough to be on the ice are now sort of stepping back as the spring comes upon us and evaluating new ways to prepare for the upcoming season. And uh, when you're not able to get to the rink, Sense Arena is a fantastic way for you to get on the virtual ice and practice. And it's an opportunity, as we've heard from many pros, uh, to get in, into a very realistic scenario where you can be tracking pucks, reading shots, reading releases, uh, working on your footwork, working on your hands, and uh, really developing your goaltending skills at a time when you can't get on the ice. Of course, right when the season happens, uh, we've already seen that it's an incredible tool for getting ready for that day's on-ice session in terms of warming up the brain, warming up the eyes. Uh, but right now, for those people who aren't on the ice, uh, Sense Arena is a great way. Every single day, you can be getting on the virtual ice and working on your skills and becoming a better goaltender. And uh, where you'll be when the next season comes, I think will will shock you as a result of this uh, groundbreaking new product. Uh, I'm going to admit, uh, I got a new glove, and it is uh, awesome, the Axis uh, glove from from CCM. And just being able to use it with Sensorina VR and just to have like, get comfortable with it is is another like real aid to it. Uh, Sensorina VR, just the the layers of instead of just sitting there watching TV, which I do anyway, but uh, but uh, use Sensorina VR with with a new glove and and get that comfortability and to get used to it is 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 a different uh, method to to use Sensorina VR as well. I will use this opportunity to tease next week's guest as well. Brian DeCord um, of the Arizona Coyotes, Director of Goaltending Operations, will join us. And he actually had a couple of uses and ways that Sense Arena benefits goaltenders that, frankly, I'd never even thought of. And they were brilliant. And I can't wait till we get a chance to share that in next week's feature interview with Brian DeCord. You guys... uh... What about using the like putting on pads? Just not not the whole setup, but just putting on the pads and getting like a little bit more realistic with it with your VR. I like it. Haven't really done it to be honest, um, but but have always been intrigued by the idea. I would love to have one of those indoor setups where you've got the plastic ice and oh, you yeah. get the full gear on and and you know be working through full movements because obviously you're not getting a whole lot of shots at home and. And uh, I find whenever I see people working on the plastic ice, I mean, the people that have, you know, set it up in their garage, it's great that you can do some crease movements and so on. But uh, I think that opportunity to combine Sense Arena with, with some indoor work um, on the plastic ice would be, would just be a great tool. We'd love to see how that goes. Outstanding. Uh, Sense Arena VR, uh, check them out. It's a way to keep in touch with the game when you're not on the ice and uh, work on your your hand-eye, your puck tracking, uh, so many uses. And if you want to turn it up to the uh, to the highest level and just uh, have pucks uh, whiz- whizzing at you uh, a thousand miles an hour, eh, it's uh, it's the cheat code, as uh, David Hutchison has said uh, numerous times. Uh, Logan Thompson is our feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR. And if you can, just uh, a little Coles notes tee up uh, here, Woody, on on what you know of Logan Thompson, maybe what you knew of Logan Thompson at the start of this this season, and what you know now, because that's even from your background, it's interesting. Yeah, to be honest with you, I didn't know much going into this season. Obviously, the radar goes up a little bit when you have a CIS signing, uh, get an opportunity, um, because I've said for years that I think there's goaltenders in the CIS um, that probably warrant that opportunity at a time when teams will scour the NCAA for undrafted free agents. I think there's a few more like this. We saw Zach Sawchenko sign a contract 
uh, with the San Jose Sharks this week as well. Another guy who I thought should have been drafted, didn't get drafted, goes to CIS, and now looks like he's going to be a good pro. So I think there's more guys like that. Um, to be honest, though, beyond that, I didn't know a ton, and that's why I enjoyed this interview so much. I felt like I really got to know uh, more about Logan, his path, and some of the reasons you can see that he's having success. And I mean, he's having a lot of success this year. And talking to people around the American Hockey League a little bit in the past couple of days since the interview, that success is largely on him. The uh, the Vegas uh, Silver Knights, the uh, Henderson Silver Knights, sorry, Darren, in your backyard there, not that they're a bad team, but they give up a lot. And Logan has been like the rock back there that sort of anchors this team's success this season. They are a great team out uh, and leading the Pacific Division of the American Hockey League. But uh, Logan Thompson is a big part of that at 13 and 3 and uh, faces over 30 shots uh, on uh, a regular occurrence, uh, over 40 shots a few times. 13 and 3 with uh, save percentage and goals against average that uh, will just knock your socks off. Uh, and he's a Southpaw, uh, spent uh, four years playing major junior and then went to the CIS because he he made that decision due to uh, where his radar was taking him when it came to professional offers. It's a, it's a really interesting story. Uh, perseverance, yeah, a little bit. But then you look at it from a meteoric rise uh, in and through the pro ranks. Second full pro season. And he's already had a little taste in the National Hockey League. It's Logan Thompson, our feature interview presented by Sense Arena VR on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Let's start now and work our way back a little bit because it uh, it is a fascinating story and it's an amazing story of dedication and uh, you had uh, a wonderful western hockey league career that i want to get into as well but uh, your your performance in the american hockey league this year are are you somewhat surprised or how would you describe it i mean i, I always feel like i believed in like myself that i could be a top goalie in in every league that i played in i mean obviously i mean I don't like like to like look at my numbers. I'm obviously happy that we're winning. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just I'm just happy. Like, I, obviously, it's surprising. I'm surprised that I'm just getting as as much playing time um, that I am. Obviously, I coming here, I knew Oscar was going to be here, so I was looking forward to to learning from him. And the whole COVID world kind of gave me that opportunity to to play more games than kind of I thought. And then I'm just kind of been happy and, and thankful for the opportunities of of playing hockey and, and just getting more, a lot of minutes. How has your game changed in the last? three years when you went from major junior Canadian college ECHL and now to the top of the American hockey league. Um, I think it's just, you know, like I quote, that's always kind of like stuck with me. It was just like, it's not a, it's a sprint. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right. So, you know, they always say that, you know, goalies develop late and, and obviously I was you know a little immature and I, my game wasn't as controlled as it is now. And I think the biggest thing was just the growing up and getting older and learning how to, you know, control my body and, and knowing what I can and can't do and just being more in control of, of things on and off the ice and just being more of a pro and, and the maturity level and just coming to the rink, putting in two hours of work every day isn't that hard and, and just dedicating myself every day for that you know three hours of hard work. And I think that's kind of just how I've kind of turned my game around. When you say, I'm curious, because remember you're speaking to a goalie of or an audience that's 100% goaltenders. When you talk about controlling your game and controlling your body, can you give us some examples of things maybe you used to do before that you've learned not to do now or that you're doing differently now? And were there guys that sort of helped turn that light switch on for you at a various points? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think when I was in junior, um, I've always been an athletic and, and pretty quick goalie like and like to like, play that way. But I would just get myself so scrambly and trying to almost do too much. And, you know, watching here in Vegas, you have Flower and, and Leonard. So you can kind of learn from watching Flower to be athletic, but then Leonard also plays the percentage game really well. And that's kind of something that I, you know, wanted to to get more in my game is I can make those big saves, but I should also, there's times when I can just relax and play the percentage and just let it hit me opposed to trying to do too much. Who's the biggest influence on your game? On my game. It's tough. Like, I've had a lot of people, like in a lot of like goalies that I've looked up to. I mean, growing up, I always, you know, watch, you know, Kippersoff and just trying to be cool like a cucumber and, you know, watching, you know, he'd get scored on and there'd be, oh, you know, bad days, you're a goalie, nothing's going to go right, but just staying calm and, and relaxed. And that's his mental side was just, you know, kind of something that caught my eye early at a young age. And I try not to get too hot headed, especially in games and, and let people show that. And 
obviously another one, another one here in Vegas is flower. Like he's, you know, 37 years old, but the guy's a workhorse and, you know, he's acts like he plays, he's playing like he's 20 years old and just, just continuing to work hard and continue to push yourself. The guy's never kind of happy. He always wants more. And that's something that you can learn from him for sure. Can you compare the, the start of your junior career to the start of your professional career and the feelings and the development? Uh, is, is there any synergy there at all? Or am I overthinking it? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's just like, I, I was a kid, right? When I started my junior career, I was you know, 15, 16. And um, I think that my mindset, I was so focused on trying to get drafted and worrying about numbers. And I think that's also what a lot of people focus on. I got to get drafted. I got to have good numbers. And then that's when mistakes happen. Now it's, you know, I come to the rink and obviously I want to play well, but there's so many other things that I can't control, right? I'm just going to try to focus on what I can do and, and not worry about the numbers, not worry about a contract next year or in two years. Like just, just play hockey and, and hopefully good things happen. I just kind of feel like there's a lot of things that are out of your control and you just, you just got to play hockey. How, like, how'd you come to that? Right. Cause that's like, we hear that a lot um, in terms of not worrying about the guys in the stands watching you when you're, when it, you're in a draft year, whether it's going into the Bantam draft or, you know, whatever level, how do you sort of, it's easy. One of those things it's really easy to say, but sometimes it's hard to do as a goaltender. Is it just experience maturity? Like you said, or were there, were there moments or realizations along the way that helped you sort of come to understand how to do it, not just say it. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, my whole career, like Bantam, I remember I wanted to be drafted so bad and every team said, or all those elite, those sites would say, Oh, he's not getting drafted this and that. And I got drafted, which well, I was surprised. And and then obviously the NHL missing the, the draft there. And I think the realize that I could stop worrying about that stuff is when I went to CIS and just started playing hockey for fun and, and fell in love with the game again. I, I think I, I almost took it for granted playing junior hockey and how much fun it is because all I wanted to do was play pro hockey and and was so concerned about all the the scouts, you know, opposed to just having fun playing hockey. And I think it changed for me when all these teams told me I wasn't good enough. So I kind of just said, you know, like, you know, F you guys, um, I'm going to play hockey. And if uh, things work out in my favor, then they do. And I'm just, I'm not going to focus on it. And that's when I felt when teams kind of started to approach me was when I kind of turned off the, that want to, to do and just, and just play hockey. When you came to that realization and you went to, to Brock, uh, was that late in the summer uh, where you didn't have the opportunity to turn pro or, or was that sort of coming off your, your year in Brandon, your last year, Brandon, and you decided I'm going to school? Well, yeah, no. So what happened was I, I signed a PTO early uh, my 20 year old year before the season ended with Washington and um, so I kind of locked myself up with with them on a PTO, and then they signed uh, Sam Sonoff about a couple weeks later, which gave them six goalies in their depth chart. And they still wanted me to come to camp, but I kind of that's kind of when I realized like there's just no more room like for me in this organization. There's I tried getting coast contracts, no teams really like I tried I think getting with the Rap- Rapid City Rush, they weren't interested. So I was like, well no room in Washington, no room in the coast. And, you know, Brock was just, they were really good. They were like, we're here if you, if you want, but they, they understood I wanted to go pro, but that's kind of really why I, you know, I wanted to, to go to Brock because they were so understanding that, you know, the pro game was there, but they had my back and they gave me a place to play and, and a home. So I was really uh, looking, like, thankful for that. Okay. Why Brock? Take me in there because you're a Western guy and, uh, and in the Ontario loop, uh, there's a, there's a couple of other schools that are a little, a little high profile, but tell me about Brock. I've always wanted to know that answer. Uh, I didn't want to be the the guy that just wanted to go to a, a team like a U of A or a, like a, one of those big teams and just be on a powerhouse. You know, I wanted to go to a team where I can go in right away and, and start playing games because that's all I really cared about was just playing games. I didn't want to sit on a bench for two years and then finally, you know, get that starting job. So I was talking to Marty Williamson, the, the Brock head coach. He was like, yeah, like we'll, we'll give you games if you come in here. And that's kind of all I wanted was just, and, and it's a change of like scenery, right? Like I, I've been around the Western league for four years. So, you know, Brock's close to Niagara falls and it's a whole new kind of area for me. So I, I loved it. Just new city, new people, like new school. Like I've never been to Ontario before. So no, I, I loved it. And it was just a, a whole like I said, I fell, in, I fell in love with the game again, and it just helped me change the scenery and, and change perspective on everything. What were the falls like? 
I remember my first time going there. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually, as a Western guy, I'm actually at Niagara Falls. This is freaking cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, it, it's definitely something you got to check out. Like, you always see pictures and you're like, yeah, cool. But when you go there and see it for the first time and, and even like that whole area of just stuff to do, like, it, it's it's really fun. Like, I loved it there. And, you know, there's nice restaurant spots and lunch and dinner. So, no, I, I had a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think I spent New Year's down there one year or New Year's down there. Was, so, that was a good time. Like, just a lot of fun. You've kind of said a couple times, fell back in love with the game at Brock. Was there any point like along the path to there where you realized you'd lost that? Or was it not until you got the opportunity that you realized it was missing? And would there be advice to young kids that you would give about, you know, recognizing those signs or finding a way to keep it enjoyable? Yeah, I, I think when I say I fell in love with the game again, I think it's just like because I, I wanted to go pro so bad and I just felt like my whole life was I wanted to be in the NHL. I wanted to be a pro goalie. And then when that kind of every team told me that I wasn't good enough, I feel like that's kind of where I was just like, like, what am I going to do now? Like, it's over. Um, and a little like a pity party for myself, of course. Like, I mean, like as I think a lot of people do, like cause every kid does want to go pro. But then, like I said, I uh, you still get to go to school for four, four free years with your scholarship and, and you get to continue playing hockey for four more years. And I think that's just where we had such a good group of guys and I was just having fun. Um, you know, there's not many fans in CIS hockey. There's not many scouts sitting up there. So you're just, you're just playing hockey and it was just a lot of fun. You were ready for the COVID environment. Yeah. Like our, our opening game in Henderson, I'm like, this is, this is normal. Like I'm used to this. <laughs> Is there a lesson there in letting go though? Because it sounds like all the way up, all you thought about was the next step and making it and scouts and all those external factors. And it wasn't until you let go of those expectations or desires that you got back to this point. Is that, is that an oversimplification on my part? Cause it's, it's kind of what I'm hearing a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that's fair. Like, and that's kind of when I come back to the point of just being like, there's so many things you like you can't control. Like there's some goalies that may have worse numbers than you, but they're going to get drafted to the NHL. They're going to get that NHL contract. You might have better numbers than all of them and you'll never get interest. Like it's just, there's so many factors, so many things that you just, I, I don't think if I could tell you know, a 16 year old me that just, just shut up and, and play and enjoy the brand in Manitoba and, and just have fun and make some memories. Cause that's, that's what I should have done. Uh, I'm going to hop off because I've got some uh, other duties to do, but uh, Woody's going to take uh, take you home the rest of the way. We've never done one of these uh, s- split up interviews before, but before I do, you mentioned Brandon. My dad still lives there. Uh, he asked me every week, like if we don't, if we take weather and the week Kings away from my dad, he doesn't have anything to talk about. Uh, but he asked <laughs> me every week, uh, how's my Brandon goalie doing? And uh, so there's still people there following you uh logan and uh from from me to you congratulations and i can't wait to hear the answer about your your nhl debut uh which will be later in the interview but uh thanks for doing this uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of woody if he says one more question know that there's two coming that's my only all right sounds all good right. yeah thanks thanks Jared. a different format here on the ingle radio podcast this week we juggle sometimes <laughs> what can i say this is covid this is the new world so i so There are so many different strings that I already want to pull on after hearing this part of the conversation. We've been a little bit all over the map, but let's just take a step back here. Where'd you get started? How'd you get started in goal first experiences? What made you love it? Or was it a love at first sight kind of experience? And who were your guys growing up early? Yeah, I remember like just being a kid and I was in a a hockey store with my dad and I just was, we were walking by and I saw the goalie pads and I was like, oh, those are like awesome. Like, I want to be a goalie. Those pads are so cool. Like forwards look so stupid. Like I could have all that stuff. And, uh, and I remember like, I, I looked at these like nice white, blue and silver, like Brian's beast gear. And I was like, this is going to be my first set. And like, eventually, like uh, thankfully for my dad, he, he got me that set. And, and my next day I was on the ice at world pro goaltending for my first time ever, you know, skating um in in calgary and and i just like i said fell in love with it and i remember just putting on those those beasts and i was just like yep like this is it for me and i I actually wasn't as bad for my first time you know being there i I wasn't the best skater so i was good at getting hit with pucks so it luckily worked out and my dad uh let me stick with it so 
how old would he have been then? Because you mentioned Kiprasov. I covered that Stanley Cup final in 2004 with Mika, and obviously David Marcoux was the goalie coach there. You would have been like, what? Try to do the math here. You you would have been seven in 2004? Yeah, I I remember watching that Stanley Cup, and I was at my mom's house. I must have been seven or six. Like I was, I wasn't supposed to be up. I was supposed to be in bed, but I was watching that final game on TV. Like I remember, yeah. Before the pads, before the Brian's pads. Uh, this would have been, uh, yeah, for sure. Before the Brian pads, for sure. And I interrupted that. You remember watching that, watching that series, and yeah, no, I just remember like like the Kipper soft, like he had those those bonds, and I was just like, this guy's like the man. And there was two goalies I grew like grew up watching, and it was Kiprasov and Turco. I just like. Loved Marty Turco, loved the way he like handled a puck. I just thought he was the man. And Kiprasov's like his swagger. Like Calgary Flames were a good team, but I think the reason that they were so good was because of Kiprasov, right? Like they haven't had a Markstrom's obviously an elite goalie, but they haven't had a, a Kiprasov since. So Yeah, kinda hard to kinda hard to duplicate a guy like Mika for sure. Now, the whole catching with the right hand thing. Did that ever become a yeah. problem for you? Being a full right, was that ever an issue with equipment? Because we've, you know, we've had this conversation with different guys, including Mike McKenna uh, in Vegas now on the broadcast side, about you know why do we not see more um, and some of the challenges that guys face. Where Andre Vasilevsky, for example, told us that he should be a full right goalie, but growing up in Russia, even with a dad who was a pro, he couldn't get a full right set. What was your experiences like on that side of things? Well, I remember, like, I, I told my dad I I, I want to catch my right. He kind of th- thought that was weird. And uh, I catch with my right, but also I throw, like, my good throwing arm is my right hand. But when I when I write, and when I write stuff, I'm left-handed. So I'm, like, kind of weird that way. So he was kind of thrown off by it, too. But, um, you know, he's like, all right, this is comfortable for you, and you're sure, like, go ahead. And then, obviously, yeah, like, the gear's... I think even still today, you'll go to Hockey Life and all these goalie stores, and there isn't very much selection for right-handed stuff. So I think I remember we were just my whole life as a kid. It's just we're ordering gear. Like we'd look on the internet, he'd go through his couple sites, and it'd just be ordering gear because we we couldn't go to stores. Like they it was pretty hard to find right-handed stuff, and and sticks too. Um, going to the goalie stick aisle, there's hardly any righties. It's it's disappointing because like it's that's kind of my breed right you'd like to see a little bit more love for us but yeah we're rare well which obviously probably makes it even more exciting that now you can get any gear you want as a pro so do you like do we do we have we got a logan thompson curve on a stick yet do you have your own model or are you still working towards that we saw the new the new bauer ultrasonic setup was sick in the silver yeah no uh I wanted to do, like I said, I wanted to do all gold, but some guy stole my idea here in Vegas. So I had to go all silver. But um, uh, yeah, there's there's no Thompson curve yet. I, I think I use a Crawford um, in the right, but maybe maybe one day I can get, get my own curve. Um, you mentioned Flower and, and, the, and the gold pads. You, t- you talked about your experience being up with him. First of all, before we get to the game, um, what was that like being around him? And I guess I don't know how much Laner was around given, you know, the injuries, whether you got to see him, but was there anything that surprised you in terms of his habits and the way he handled himself? It's crazy. Like, like I never, I remember watching flower in, in Pittsburgh and, and just never think like thinking how good he was. And, and just like, it's almost like I remember walking in the dressing room for the one day and just seeing him and not trying to be like a fan being like, Oh my God, that's Mark on flurry. Like, I had to like relax, say, all right, that's technically kind of my teammate. Like, don't be an idiot. Don't embarrass yourself. But he's like, everything you hear about the guy is totally true. He's the nicest guy, like treats everyone the same. He, everyone loves him. He's, you know, he, he still acts like a, like a kid. He has fun. And like, that's, that's kind of where, like, when I talk about having fun with the game, he, I mean, he doesn't care about money. Like he just loves, loves playing hockey. He's a competitive guy and he has so much fun doing it. And that's, that's like the one thing you can learn from him is just he comes to the rink every day with a smile on his face. He puts in his work. He makes himself better every day. And he makes everyone, he makes the team better every day too. And, and kind of makes, he makes the room that much closer. He's a captain without the sea almost. It's funny because we've written stories about that, about how, you know, for him and his career, like even, even, even like who play, what starting goalie plays last puck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but that 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 matters, right? Like for him, having fun is a big part of it. And there's, a, I think, there's a lesson there. It sounds like you've that's rubbed off on you too. Yeah, like and and, and warm up with him, like you know, you, you every goalie has their own routine. You try to stay out of the way when they're starting. You like you don't want to bug them, but like Flower, yeah, he he like just loves being in that net. Warm up game practice, like he's just gonna sit there and he won't get out. Like I think in practice, he takes ninety seven percent of the shots, right? Like he just just loves being in the net. <laughs> Uh, did it surprise you the first time you saw the goggles on before a game? No, uh, actually, yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've never seen that before a game, for sure. We we'd heard about that, but we were sworn to secrecy. But then when he made it public that he uses the, um, I don't know what they're called. I've, I've seen them though. Yeah, uh, we thought that was interesting as a warm up technique. Um, what was that? What was that experience like for you, being up there and then and then actually getting into a game, like especially to have gone from, you know, like you said, almost giving up on it not that long ago to having it happen that fast. I mean, signing my contract was like a dream come true. And then um, getting called up was obviously another exciting moment. But then when you walk into the kind of that dressing room and then seeing that Jersey, like in your stall, like that's, that's your Jersey. It's, it's hard to kind of explain the feeling, like, especially when you see it for the first time, right? Like it's, you've been wanting to put on that, that Vegas logo and you finally get to, and just even when you're going out there for warmups, it's just, and like looking across the ice and my first game was San Jose and seeing like Martin Jones and, and all these big players, the Carlson, like, just like, like, Holy, Holy crap. Like these guys, you're all on TV and now you're I'm skating on the same ice as them. So it, it's, it's very cool and it's exciting. And you just, I just try to take it in. I mean, I'm going to take it in every day I can, if I'm ever up there again, or if I'm ever not there again, it's just something that's going to live, live with me forever. Getting into the game, I mean, I know it's like it's in a relief appearance, but like what, like what's your mindset on the bench? You probably still want that first start where there's that that build up and that type of moment. And maybe the silver lining here is it happens at a time when the parents can be there and we're back, to, you know, to fans and things like that. But what's the mindset when all of a sudden you go from being a part of that experience on the bench to I'm in? Yeah, like I, I remember in in Minnesota, like that game was so weird because like flower was, was the only reason we were in that game. He was playing lights out. Like he was, he was making big saves and, and, and doing just typical flurry stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was, it was like one, one or two, one going into the third and they scored like two right away. I'm like four, one. And I like kind of thought to myself, like, I wonder if they're going to put me in. And then I see Craig or kind of walk towards me in the tunnel. And then I just kind of wanted to look away. Like I didn't want to, like, don't, don't tell me I'm going in. Like the less is not what I want to do. Like I'm kind of crapping my pants there, but, um, put me in and the, yeah, it was like, uh, the feelings were so like mixed. You're, you're excited, you're nervous and you almost get a little teary out again. Cause it's just like, again, this is like your childhood dream and, you know, Parisi and all these guys are in front of me now. Like this is exciting. No fans, but it's still like, like your, your phone's blowing up after the game, all your friends watching that game, like seeing it, it's just, it's exciting. And, and yeah, I think it was it was a little bit of nerve or 100 percent you know nerves and um, emotions of excitement and and just yeah pretty emotional for sure. Okay, so you mentioned you mentioned that first sort of get your pads and get into the game and and you said World Pro. Who are some of the other influ- who are some of the coaching influences? I mean, it's a long path. You get a lot of different voices over the years. Um, what are some of the goalie coaches along the way that have helped you sort of become who you are in the net today? Well, I, I think every goalie. Was their dad's their best coach, right? They always the, the goalie dads are pretty nutty, um, but um, yeah, my dad was he wasn't a goalie, but he did all the the research, so he thought he knew what was what I was doing wrong. So he, I, I think he'll get mad and ground me if I don't say he was the uh, the most influencer on my life. So definitely my my dad's number one. But yeah, World Pro helped me when I was at a young age, and then from now every time I'm in Calgary, I'm with you know Evolution goaltending with uh, Justin Cardinal. Um, you know, he, he's known me since I was a kid and, you know, he's, he helps a lot of pros in the, in the area. Um, and you know, he's definitely, uh, you know, helped me in with tracking and, and just, just being there, he's always had my back and he's always pushed me and he's always helped me take the next step. And, and then, I mean, every goalie coach I've had, you know, Tyler Plant and with the Wheat Kings, um, you know, he was perfect for me. You know, he just, just kind of retired and a young guy, but a great goalie coach, but he was someone that I can relate with. I, I still talk to him you know, twice a week, you know, today, he's almost like a life coach for me now, just someone who's, who's been through it. And now I can kind of, if I have issues, I kind of go to him and, and Luke Lobbinsinger and, and Brock and, and even Freddie here. And, uh, oh, and 
and a lot of credit goes to, uh, you know, my two goalie coaches in Hershey with uh, Alex Westy and, and Scotty Murray with the Capitals. They, they kind of were the only two that kind of believed in me when, when no one did. And they kind of saw, saw if I had any potential and gave me a chance. So, I mean, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those two guys and, and what they did for me and, and how much they, uh, they did work with me being a coast goalie. They still were talking to me and texting me every day. So a lot of credit goes out to those guys as well. Uh, we're big fans. Uh, obviously, you get to know everyone, and a lot of those names I've had a chance to meet, but sometimes you get them at a different level, and Scott Murray's a guy, I, and Alex too, that I've been blessed enough to sort of be on the ice up at times in Kelowna and actually watch them go to work, and so I'm not surprised to hear they had a positive influence even in a short time. Um, yeah. CIS, before we started recording, you and I were talking, like, this has been a bugaboo of mine for years. Like, everybody, all the NHL teams race to – NCAA to find undrafted goalies to sign every year, it seems. And I've always wondered why there weren't more on the CIS. Like, do you think there's, like I said, with Zach, Zach Sachenko just signed a contract with the, the San Jose Sharks. He'll be on their taxi squad the rest of the year. Um, just yesterday. You think there's more out there? Like, do you think there's some, some guys that, you know, there's some stones that need to be overturned and, and other guys that are maybe being missed? Oh, like a hundred percent. And I, I, I think when I tell players too going, um, my, my advice is for guys leaving the dub and going to the CIS, obviously, you know, they're all disappointed. They want to go pro, but I think that there's so many good players that have that potential that they don't need to go to those powerhouse schools. Um, and I, I think that's where a lot of these really good players that put up those hundred points in the dub, they go to these big names and then they kind of get buried and then forgotten about. I think these players should be going to just any school that's going to play them and, and just get noticed. Uh, I think the biggest thing is just go and play hockey and all these good players are going to put up points. doesn't matter where, what team you're on or not, they're going to find you. And I, I think that's what, that's what they need to do. Cause I mean, the CIS, everyone knows about the youth, like the bears, the golden bears and UNB, right. They have probably everyone on that team can go pro, but I mean, Luke Phillips kind of the only one that did it. I think if each one of those guys is on a different team, I think you'd see a a lot more guys getting contracts and deals. Oh, that's that's an interesting thought that way. It's always amazed me that that there's not more attention paid because you obviously had to play at a certain level to get through, you know, the WHL or any CHL teams like and have a career there. And sometimes, like I said, whether it's opportunity or as you said, maturity and you know, experience is shaping you different ways. It just feels like there's some guys that maybe deserve a longer look there. You mentioned the year in uh, in South Carolina and and with Alex Westland and Scotty Murray sort of ha having an eye on you in 1920. Um, any any particulars there that you picked up from those two that in terms of your game and that evolution or any other you know in between Brock and in 28-19 and the last two years, what's been the biggest adjustment to pro in terms of your game and the shooters? Um, well, I, I think with. I mean, when I first went to the coast, I just coming from like CIS and junior, it's just like how much kind of grit, like guys are going to be in your face. There's big guys, they're in your face, they're screening you like it's, they're men, they're not, they're not kids anymore, right? They're, it's a lot harder hockey, it's faster, everyone can shoot. I mean, the coast, again, is another league that's, you know, no one wants to play in like, they talk about the coast, it's this and that, but there is a like still a lot of talent in the coast. Like there is a lot, a lot of talent. And um, the systems are, I, I would say, are, are, aren't the greatest. It's a little more run and gun hockey, but everyone can score. And I think with Westy and, and Scotty, they they really helped me just kind of gaining or get more control of my body and keeping, you know, battling through screens, but just not, you know, throwing myself outside of my posts and, you know, keeping it contained and just that percentage stuff and, and just making everything simple, right? Don't not making it harder on myself. And that's what Scotty and Alex did with me the most. And video every day and every game um south carolina with them i think is kind of how i kept making progression um throughout the year and uh, charleston you don't really have a goalie coach so it's kind of up to you to put in that work and, and my goalie partner park and Rilner, who was a you know an eight-year eight-year guy he was perfect for me too really you know taught me how to work hard and, and push myself so a lot of credit goes to millsley as well what about the year at Brock? Like, did, I mean, again, you talk about not having goalie, like different levels. You have different levels of support. I'm guessing Brock didn't have a dedicated goalie coach. How did you go about sort of, like you said, there was part of it was just the joy in playing, but how did you go about also maybe trying to develop or was it just about the experience of playing? Yeah, well, actually we, we were pretty lucky at Brock uh, that we had a goalie coach with Luke Lobsinger. So we were, I was fortunate enough to get on the ice with him uh, about three times a week, but 
Yeah, no, the it was different going from junior to CIS. I, I thought CIS hockey was was very systems and and layer, like not as running gun as as junior. Everyone's obviously you know you got guys that are four years older than you. So um, that that group of guys that we had just really gelled well. We were good, like we got along great, and, and they just made my job a lot easier. I think that was my first real year, just having like a a, a big strong decor that kind of just knew how to pl- like box out and just and just play hockey right they everyone kind of did their job so well for you know cis hockey that we, we were a good enough team and, and just that was when i realized that like you know the, the higher up you get it, it kind of gets a little easier because everyone's knows kind of what more like knows how to do their job i was going to ask you if it was in some ways and, and it, it sometimes people think it's a silly question but i was going to ask you if life was in some ways easier in the american league this year than it was in in the East Coast last year, just because it's not so much. Well, I guess the structure is one thing. There's more systems and structure, but there's less mistakes. Like the guys are where yeah. they're supposed to be. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think that's very fair. I mean, we do so much more video and and system work and and skills coaches, right? We we got that here in Vegas with with Henderson. That you know, players are are. are trying to make that next step that yeah the mistakes are 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 more slim and then as you go up to the nhl like you can watch the nhl game and you know throughout through two periods there's maybe 15 14 shots on net right six shots six shots a period and it's just because how good that everyone is at their job um the coast is obviously there's there's players in the coast that can play in the ahl 100 but i think just Without that system work, it's just a lot of two-on-ones, want like breakaways, just just kind of run and gun hockey, right? Is it important as a goaltender to get involved in that video and that systems work? Like how much of your success can be attributed to understanding and being able to put those patterns you talked about together? Because, you know, when we do a lot of our pro reads with NHL guys, it surprised me at first how much of it was, it wasn't just reading out what the offensive player was doing. But knowing exactly where your defenseman or or backchecking forward was going to pressure him, so that you could read a play off of that, you have to go to school on the systems as a goalie as well. Yeah, and it's it's weird. Like I can't read a book to save my life, but I can read I can read plays, and that's why I like you know doing like the video. I'll do video before a game, right? You want to know a team's power play and. And then when you're when you're in the crease, you know kind of ahead of time that they're going to go here. Your D-man's going to step out here. That I just got to take away the short side. My D-man's going to do his job. Like it just makes everyone's life kind of easier, right? And I think with Henderson, this all the success we've had this year is just how much we, everyone on the team, like kind of trust each other. I trust my decor. Um, they trust the forwards. That everyone kind of does their job, and it just makes it's a trickle down effect that's making everyone's lives so much easier. Okay, so I also read a story too about when you were up, like having a little like swagger in practice so does that matter like I, we talked about fun like with flurry and yeah. having fun and I, I like i've watched him i love when i like i hope we get back to the world where teams travel across the border so just so i can watch flower practice again right he has so much fun yeah. out there and you talked about having that can you have do you need to have a little swagger too like and can you give a team confidence with that right amount of sort of yeah, again for lack of a better term swagger yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I would just call it like swagger. Obviously, I mean, it, it, I guess in some ways it is, but I think it just goes to show you like if a young player like me can kind of come up and I like to think that I was obviously pretty shy, but if I'm, if I can chirp, you know, Ryan Reeves and, and Jonathan Marshall. So like, it just shows you like how kind of how close and how fun of a fun it is to play when your team's winning and everyone's in a good mood and you're in a fun, like fun environment that, it just makes everyone's lives easier. I'm, you know, I want to be on the ice and if I'm, you're going to get scored on the NHL. So like I said, every time you can stop these guys and, and give it back to them, because they always like to hoot and holler. So, you know, why can't I hoot and holler back at them, even though it, I'm a rookie and I've played eight minutes in the NHL, but it, it's funny. Like, it's just, I, I don't even know if it's swagger and me just being stupid, but I just like to have fun and, and and it, they just made it so much easier for me to be up, like go up there and play. Like I think a lot of people would be nervous and, and want to keep their mouth shut. But like I said, that group up there is a lot of fun and you can see why they're winning is because everyone likes to be at the rink every day and be around each other. Okay. So I know that, um, cause we were talking earlier before we hit record that you were up in the NHL with Vegas by the time Freddie got down to the AHL cause he had some visa issues, but 
Yeah. You got you guys just getting started working together. So I'm gonna have to hold you to some Freddie Brathwaite stories after you have a little more time to to get to know him. For sure. What's it for sure? What's it what what what's your advice though? Because you, you talked about all these different coaches that you've worked with. Would you have any advice for young goalies that end up with a lot of different voices? Right. Cause you've probably had that, you know, especially when you were, you know, that one year you're in you the coast and then a, a game up with the A, the first year out of, Bro- out of Brock, sort of at the end of the season, you know, tryouts and things like that. You can end up getting in spots where the different goalie coach wants you to do something different. You want to make him happy, but you maybe think or don't think it's good for your game. Like, how do you, how do you manage all those different voices? How do you keep Freddie happy after, after being up and now you got to put up with him? Yeah. The guy's the worst. Um, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, obviously you're always going to have, you're never going to agree with a coach or a goalie coach hundred percent. You're always going to think that there's something you could do different and they're going to disagree or not. But I think the biggest thing is you just got to be, you know, the coachable, right? Obviously I think there's, even though you may not think that there one of the things is correct, you can still learn something from every different coach. And I, I think that out of, you know, the six or seven goalie coaches I've had, there's something I can learn from each of them and I can throw it and interpret it into a way that makes me a better goalie in my own way. So if I don't like, you know, the way that they want me to move, but there's, I can like the way they want me to play on my post play. Like you can just kind of steal a little bit of everyone's idea. Well said. Well, listen, I know Darren warned you about last question, but just to spite <laughs> him, I'm not going to have another one. Instead, we'll just hold you to another interview down the road. Uh, as you continue to build on this pro career. Logan, thanks so much for taking the time, sharing some of the lessons you've learned along the way, the importance of having fun, and congratulations on you know a pretty fast rise here from, from playing in the CIS to getting a taste of the NHL and having so much success in the American League. Uh, thanks for sort of sharing this time with us and, and sharing the experiences. Yeah, no, of course, uh, anytime. Um, no, I, I love doing this stuff, so it's a lot of fun. That is a name that you have to pay attention to. He's just broken through and made you have to pay attention to Logan Thompson, the Henderson Silver Knights. And, uh, and again, for a few minutes, uh, we actually thought he was going to get the start one day because uh, Marc-Andre Fleury had a positive COVID test, ended up being a false positive. But up until like an hour before the game, the inclination was that Logan Thompson was going to get that first National Hockey League start and Dylan Ferguson was going to be the backup if uh, if Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't available. In the end, uh, Flower was the guy that went in and, and played that game. But uh, Logan Thompson, CIS, uh, Canadian uh, University, Hutch, uh, you've been banging that drum for a while. Yeah, I sure have because teams are really happy to head over to Europe and pick up a guy who's played a, a few years of pro over there, might be 23, 24, 25 years old, and he still gets a shot in the National Hockey League. And yet Canadian-American kids get written off at such a young age. And uh, I mean, why don't we see that CIS is just another stepping stone in, in the development path for kids? It's, uh, it is a step up from the CHL in many regards. Uh, most of the players have graduated from the CHL. So, so these are men that are playing there. And, uh, and it, it really is just another level of development. And I think we're going to see, as teams are, are looking for, for new players, new goaltenders, that the, uh, the CIS, at least I hope, we're going to see that it, it plays a bigger role because kids are coming out of there and they're having success. And, uh, you know, North American kids should get that opportunity to continue developing as well. Everybody's got a different development path, we say. So, so let's make that possible. Hey, there's, a, there's a lesson in there as well in that conversation about where you play and deciding where you want to play. And I think it trickles down to minor hockey. Uh, when when you, parents and, and players are looking at uh, options, Logan Thompson picked a program that wasn't uh, one of the powerhouse programs, but because he, one, he wanted to play and one, he wanted to face some shots. And, and it worked out for him. And that's not the traditional way that, uh, that a lot of people think. 100%. And I, th- I think it was, it was interesting that his take on it uh, not just for himself, but as he was recommending a program like that for other players, was that you will also get noticed. It's it's to just be another guy on a team is not enough. You've got to be that guy who stands out. And so if you pl- go to a program where where you're going to get more ice time, you're going to stand out a little bit more. You're going to get more opportunities and and not sort of buried in a powerhouse program. 
But I agree, absolutely. You have to get that opportunity to play wherever you go. We've heard this many times. Don't go to the team uh, you know, where you're going to win by taking 15 shots a night. Don't go to the team where you're going to be the backup. Uh, so many parents want their kids to jump up a level, jump up a level. How high a team can my kid play on? Maybe it's better to just play on a team where you can play a lot and, and get that opportunity to dominate because kids move up all the time. Um, you know, you, you don't have to, to play Bantam as a peewee age kid. You can just play really well as a peewee age kid and your time will come to shine in Bantam or, you know, whatever level we might be talking about. Uh, I think the lesson is, is there. And, we, and, you know, as Woody's pointed out as well, um, from some of the analytics we, we know that are, are being used in the National Hockey League, uh, teams are seeing that there's a correlation between the number of games you play and your development path. It, 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 you can't get around the fact that you have to play games. Uh, goaltending is a game of patterns. We have to learn to recognize what's happening on the ice. And you're not going to do that um, sitting on the bench on a better team. And yes, it would be great to be practicing with some some better players as you know as a as a minor hockey kid. Um, but yes, you, you need that opportunity on the ice in games to experience the game to to learn to read what's happening in front of you. And so, so you got to play. So, slightly different take perhaps than than what Logan was had for going to Brock University. But but as you say, it it does play out for kids of all ages. Yeah, they do funnel together. Those two yep. o- opinions, yeah. uh, they do come together like a couple of rivers uh, making one big flow. Uh, what's going on over at the website? Uh, it's been a pretty busy week. Woody's, uh, Woody's been typing away like mad and producing all sorts of great content for us. Uh, of course, we know that Marc-Andre Fleury in, in your neck of the woods uh, came the uh, fourth all-time in, in wins for the National Hockey League as he uh, got 485 this week. And uh, so Kevin did a bit of a look, look back on some stuff we've done with Fleury about how uh, fun matters for him in in his game and on the ice, but then he tied it into some more recent stuff, including uh, some stuff with this Logan Thompson uh, interview as well. So if you want to learn a little bit more about Mark Andre, you can head over to ingoldmeg.com and and check out that. We also had a, a look at uh, David Riddick, and uh, he's got a bit of a strange little warm up routine. Darren, did you get a chance to look at that one? I saw it on on our Twitter account, the yeah. the, the, the feed that came out uh, on Ingold. I had no idea, and I wouldn't necessarily, well, let's just say I need to trust somebody very, very much before I went down this path. Uh, yeah, I think you would. Uh, I've seen it done um, with pros using uh, those soft orange pucks, just mm-hmm. sort of as a fun get the hands working. Um, we've also heard about um, Kamloops Blazers coach Dan De Palma with all of his kids as uh sort of does headshots as a way of warming up those hands and know the intentions not to hit them in the head, but to get the hands moving. Yeah. Um, but, but David wanting to be hit in the head, I think is a little bit different. And uh, if you want to learn a little bit more about that and some of the coaches that he's worked with, including uh, Kevin has already spoken to his, his new goaltending coach in Toronto. Uh, you can uh, check out that, that little bit over at Ingol. And uh, also another previous podcast guest uh, out of the NCAA, Jeremy Swayman, who's had a fantastic start to his career in Boston. Uh, Kevin did a little bit of a look back with, uh, with Jeremy and with uh, Elfie Michaud, his uh, coach from Maine, at uh, some of the work that he was doing to learn to sort of contain his game a little bit more in the net, to learn how he can stay in the box, a little bit of a touch on box control there, um, and and how that's helped his development. So some great video involved in that one, as we have with uh, most of the articles you'll see in t- from a teaching perspective over at Ingol. So really encourage folks to check out some of the new content over there. And uh, if you're not following us on social or following the YouTube channel, we, we'd love for you to do that. And Darren, I'll just get a little plug in again. I really, really, we, we would appreciate any of our listeners take a second to get onto your podcast app right now and uh, give the show a thumbs up for it for us or if you could take 15 seconds to write a little review uh, to let people know why you're listening to Ingle Radio we would really appreciate that it helps us uh, get the show to more people helps us grow what we're doing and is uh, is really inspiring to all of us so thank you for everybody who does take a, a minute to do that it is a little thing but it's a massive thing for Ingle yeah. Radio the podcast and Ingle magazine uh, we we can't overstate that uh, it does help out immensely uh, when you go down that path. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, I watched him the other night against the Buffalo Sabres. He was fantastic uh, in, the, in that shootout win. And I kept thinking, I didn't, he was like Logan Thompson with Woody. 
didn't know a lot about him until he appeared on Ingle Radio, the podcast. And now I've fallen in love with his, uh, his story, his dedication, his perseverance, uh, what he puts into it and how much he gets out of it. And uh, he's played the, in the National Hockey League and really helped out the Boston Bruins immensely. Yeah, he sure has. I think we're so lucky to have so many of these guys come on the show with us. I mean, we love having the pros, having Carey Price sit down or Thatcher Demko or whoever to share their story is is wonderful. But when these young up-and-coming pros take time to to sit down, I think you get a, a bit of a different listen, don't you? They're a little Absolutely. bit more unfiltered, a little bit more open, a little bit more to share. Um, obviously, their development is a little bit more recent, too, so maybe they're a little bit more in touch with uh, with what they you know, what they did to, to get to where they are now. And I, th- I think the lessons for some of the young goaltenders, some of the old goaltenders listening to the show, um, there's some great ones there from some of the young guys like, like Jeremy and Logan. So really thankful that they're able to join us and look forward to bringing a lot more to, to the audience in, in the near future. Can't wait uh, for next week's episode already. All this conversation's got me pumped up. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, for Hutch, uh, for Woody. Really appreciate it. And for Logan Thompson, uh, thank you for stopping by. Uh, keep him on your radar as uh, as he forges his career. Again, 13-3 and three in his first year in the American Hockey League. Goaltender of the month in the American Hockey League twice. Uh, and uh, he's on his way to being named uh, best goaltender in this uh, truncated season. Knight in shining armor. We can't promise it every week, but we do have a silver knight in this week's episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast. <laughs>